When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday we release these special episodes where we look back at content from the earlier years of the podcast. The Thursday we're releasing this episode is May 11th, 2023, just a few days before Mother's Day. So we thought it'd be fun to run three classic Risk stories about moms. They're all all stories where the moms in question are being celebrated. We don't have any mommy dearest kind of stuff to worry about on this one. The stories are going to be Let the World Know by Lily B, Mother's Little Helper by Donna Steele, and The Long Goodbye by Jennifer McClelland. Now, there is a ridiculous poop accident in the second story, in case you're squeamish about that. It's the silliest comedy of errors you can imagine. So, without further ado, here's to the mamas. <laughs> we'll start with a story called Let the World Know by Lily B. Growing up in the 80s, I used to love taking public transportation with my mom and my grandma. They used to take us on errands, all of us. When I say us, me, my cousins, whoever was around. And we'd go run errands with my mom or my grandma. For me, it was really exciting. And for my siblings, too, because we got to explore the world. Like We didn't leave our neighborhood very often. So when we did leave, we got to see different parts of the city and people and Taking the L was like live action cartoons because graffiti artists would go into the tunnels and paint Fred Flintstone and then Bart Simpson, whoever, and through these tunnels and you got to just watch the train through the windows and everything was about watching and taking everything in and people watching was probably one of my favorite things to do. I got to see all these different people that obviously didn't live in my neighborhood, right? So I got to wonder where they came from and what neighborhoods they lived in who their families were. It was one of these times like hanging on an errand with my mom on the bus that I noticed I was there were two women sitting across from me and my mom on the back of the bus with my siblings. It was my brother, my sister and I and my two cousins. Now, I'm looking through these people cuz sometimes you just get lost in a daze and I'm kind of lost in a daze looking out the window through these two women and just taking in the streets when something catches my ear. You see, I have to explain to everyone who doesn't know Lily B that I'm Afro-Mexicana. I'm Afro-Mexicana, Afro-Mexican. And my mom looks like a black woman. She had the kinky little fro, skin very, very dark. Some people said she looked like Whoopi Goldberg, no joke. Like, real talk, my mom looks like a black woman. And so when I heard what these women said, it caught my ear because I look around the bus and my mom is the only person that would match this description. And they used the word mayate. 
Now, mayate is a Spanish word. It's a term used in Spanish culture to mean, like, the, the N-word. And that is when I stopped, like, got right out of my gaze and started paying attention to these two women conversation. They were Spanish. I didn't know if they were Mexican, Puerto Rican, Cuban, but there was two Spanish women now talking about my mother. And I know it was my mother because I'm listening. And one woman says to the other, Mira esta mujer con todos estos niños. And the other woman says, A la mejor ni son de to del mismo papá. Which translated is, look at this woman with all these children. And the other woman says, they're probably not even from the same father. And then they get to talking about us. Now they're looking at us individually, the five of us, and they're pointing out the differences. Like, yes, look at this one. Mira la nariz de esta y los ojos de él. Están más claritos. Look at the nose on this one and look at the eyes on this one. They're a lot more fair. And they're talking about my mother and us. And I know my mom is can hear, if I can see this, she can see this, we're sitting right next to each other. So I start pulling her shirt to like let her know, because you don't make a scene, you know, this is the 80s, you don't get up and point people out or call people out. I just pull her shirt to let her know, like, listen, look it, if you're not paying attention. And through her teeth, she says, Callate los which translates to shut the fuck up. And at that moment that she says that, I felt like, why? Like, because I couldn't say but. There's no way that I could be like, but they're talking about, no, because she just slapped me. She just knocked me the fuck out right there on the bus, and I would have no story to tell. But she just tells me to shut up, and I'm looking at these women. I'm thinking my mom is weak, and I'm going on listening to these women. And I've, I'm so disappointed in my mom at that moment. I'm so disappointed that she's not saying something, that she's letting these women just talk about us. And we're on the bus for a few more minutes and our stop is coming up, so she tells us to get up. And so we ring the bell thinking, you know, that it's our stop because we're always excited to ring that bell on these errands. She has us stand in a little row by the back door. And for good reason, she has us go in front because at that moment she turns around to these women. In her sweetest but bitchiest voice, because I know this voice, right, she says... For your information, por su información, estos tres son mis hijos y los tuve con un solo hombre. Y estos dos son mis sobrinos que también son de los mismos padres. Which translates to, for your information, these three are my children and I had them with one man. And these two are my nephew and niece who are also by the same parents. So antes de hablar, and she starts to tell these women that before they start to talk, antes de comenzar a hablar, mon chincheras, and, and she starts saying words that in Spanish I never heard my mom say to anyone ever, which is things like bon chincheras, chismosas, viejas bon chincheras, like gossipy bitches is basically what she was calling them. And the look on these women's faces when they realized that, hey, she spoke fucking Spanish. This black woman spoke Spanish. <laughs> Holy shit. And what she had to say with them, they just sit there in their shame. They couldn't even say sorry because she didn't even give them a chance to. You guys, she just said what she had to say. This is who I am. This is why you'll respect me. And she got off that bus. And the people in the back left snickering and looking at these women. And we just got off the bus. And the minute my foot like touched the curb, it was like in a TV show, a commercial, as you see with the little kid, just happy, just, yeah, one fist in the air. Yeah, mom. 
I was so proud of my mom. I was so happy to like, she had done something that she told me to shut the fuck up for good reason, that she had a plan and it was beautiful and I was proud and I had to, got to explain it to my cousins and his brother and sister who had been completely oblivious to it. And I was so excited that I was gonna tell everyone and she even then she was just like, no. This is not something you go tell. Like, this is no es para eso, ni para eso, which is for what, basically. And I like to think that I get that from my mother. I like to think that I do what I do and I am who I am, Lily B, because I want people to know, like, I, like my mother did that day, like, this is who I am and this is why you'll respect me. But unlike my mother. <laughs> I want the whole fucking world to know why. So growing up, my mom wanted everyone to think she was really put together. She dressed in the latest fashion. She always made sure her house was really clean, but she was always a little bit off. She would take us to places and dress us up in like top dollar fashion, bows, ties. My brother always had to wear a tie no matter where he went. Or khakis and polos, that was another really big thing for her. She would have parties over at our house at least once every couple weeks just to kind of get the neighbors in to see, oh, this is the new couch I bought. Or, oh, this is the new TV we got. Look at all our fancy things. But my brother and I saw a different side to my mother. For example, she could tell the difference between Coca-Cola from one McDonald's location, like on Parham Road, to the other McDonald's location, which was all the way on Gaskins. If it wasn't from McDonald's, she would know. If you got it from Wendy's or Burger King, she would flip out, flip out. And if you wouldn't go get her a Coke, like if she was in the middle of something, she would whine. Donna, Ashley, please go get me a Coke. I need it. I really need a Coke. I haven't had one for dinner yet. Please go get me one. But make sure it's from McDonald's. Now, it was around Thanksgiving. Holiday spirit was high and we decided to go shopping. On our way there, she pleaded for a Coke. So we stopped by McDonald's, got her a Coke. We went to the mall. We went to the Levi's store to get some jeans. We pick up a few pants, we walk back into the fitting room. Now the fitting room had a line of about 20 people to get in and two employees that were hiding behind this big stack of jeans. The fitting rooms themselves were really close together, each of them about the size of a closet and there was just three of them on each side. We finally get into the fitting room. I go on one side, she goes on the other. And I'm starting to pull my pants up around my knees to try on this pair and I hear this And I thought to myself, man, that just sounds like a gas leak or something. I wonder if everything's okay. But I don't really think anything of it. I continue to try on my pants. And then I hear this plop, plop, plip, plip, plippity, plop, 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 plippity, plippity. And I said, that sounds really weird. That sounds like solid hitting a liquid. But I don't think anything of it. I just continue to button my pants, zip them up. But this goes on for about 30 seconds, nonstop. This plippity, plop, plippity, plip, plop, 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 plop. Finally, my curiosity gets the best of me. I open the door to my fitting room to go check it out. I hear my mom calling me. Don Ashley, Don Ashley, Don Ashley, in a complete panic. So I go to push open the door. It abruptly stops after about five inches. I have to like kind of squeeze my face in and I'm hit with this wall of stench. 
And then I see my mother crouching in the corner of the fitting room. She's braced in the corner against the walls, squatting down with her pants around her ankles. And that damn McDonald's cup, which is one of those like extra large McDonald's cups, and there's shit spray around the cup, and there's like a little puddle next to it. I think she got the majority of it in the cup, but there was definitely some, like a little bit on the walls, on her legs. And I just kept looking down at this mess and looking back at my mom's face, which was just like despair and embarrassment. And I said, mom, what did you do? What is this? And she said, Don Ashley, I really need you to take this cup. I get it out of the fitting room. I can't do it. I'm too embarrassed. I can't walk it out there. I just need you to throw it away. I said, mom, I can't do that. I really appreciate all those times that you cleaned up my diapers and my vomit, but this is a whole new level. I cannot carry your cup of poop through a crowd of 70 people to throw it away. In my mind, I just imagined myself taking this cup out and tripping or running into someone and just pee and poop, just go spraying all over their clothes, all over the stack of brand new Levi's pants. It was not good. I was scared. I was just really, really scared. And I tell my mom, I, I really can't. And then she starts crying. So I grabbed the cup and she put the lid on it for me, which was very nice of her. And I started walking out into the Levi's store. Like as soon as she gave me the cup, I could feel the wetness on my hand where she had kind of missed. And I didn't want to know if it was urine or poop. Like I just blocked my mind from knowing what was on my hand. And I kept walking, I kept walking a little bit more and then the warmth kicked in. And it was as if I had picked up a puppy and you know that like really like, oh, you're so warm, I want to cuddle with you. But the exact opposite. And then the smell kicked in, and I knew I was gonna throw up at this point. But the only hope was that I saw the trash can right outside of the glass doors into the main part of the mall. I was like maybe two feet from it. So I just sucked it up and I went and I started to open the door and I heard this beep, 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 beep. And I looked down and my pants were unbuttoned and my zipper was undone and my jeans were too small for me. And there was a sensor on the side of my pants. I realized they weren't my pants. <laughs> Three employees started walking over to me and they were very sweet. They just asked, ma'am, are you okay? Like, do you need anything? Can we do anything for you? I didn't know what to do. I just said, I I'm so sorry. I really need to just go throw this cup away into that trash can right there. You can watch me. I'm not gonna steal these pants. They're too small for me. I have no use for them. Just let me throw this cup away. I'll come right back in. Ma'am, I'm sorry. Um, that's against our policy. We can take the cup from you and throw it away behind the counter if you'd like. I said, oh, no, 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 no. I can throw it away behind the counter. I don't want you to have to touch my garbage. Like, please, I'll just throw it away for you. No, no big deal. Ma'am, I, I'm sorry, that's also against our policy. Um, we actually have to throw everything behind the counter. You can't go back there. Then I see it. One of the only male employees starts to sniff around, look at the cup, and this look of just disgust filled his face. And then it trickled into the other two employees who both started sniffing around, like not knowing what's going on. 
And before I just have to come clean and tell them what's happening and what's inside of this McDonald's cup, I see my mom coming from the fitting room. And as she's walking toward me, she's pushing through all the people and just gasps are following her to the front of the store. People are shocked, people are horrified. She gets to me, she grabs the cup, she says, Donna Ashley, go get your things, go put your pants on, we're leaving. She walks outside of the store, and as she's walking away, I look at the back of her bright white linen pants, and there is just a huge brown smear going from her butt to her ankles. And it looked like you had taken like a fudge sundae and just smeared it all over her butt all down her legs and then taken more fudge and thrown it on top but then like threw some corn and like peas in it too she walks outside of the levi store and <laughs> sits on the bench that is right next to the trash can facing the store i run back to the fitting room get my things put my pants on run back outside with my head down i don't want anyone to see my embarrassment i'm beat red, I'm sweating uncontrollably. Like, I just wanna get home at this point. So I met my mom outside of the Levi's store and we start to walk to the car. And I'm a good 10 feet away from her, but I know where she is because I can smell the stench that's coming off her pants. She casually looks in the Hallmark store, she's looking in the Disney store, she's window shopping, taking her sweet time getting to her car. Mind you, while all this is happening, she still has the cup that's filled with her feces in her hands, walking around Short Pump Mall like she doesn't give a shit, you know? We finally get to the car, we get in, we haven't said a word to each other at all. She sets the cup in the cup holder and, you know, she says, oh, I think that it'll be better if we throw it away at home. That way, you know, it won't stink up a trash can, it won't harm the mall at all. So it's smelling up our car, along with the poop that's covering her. I have all the windows rolled down. My head is outside of the window. I'm trying to like gulp in fresh air because I know I'm gonna get sick. And then my mom just nonchalantly asks me, Don Ashley, do you wanna stop and get something for dinner? Are you hungry? I'm like, mom, no, I just wanna go home. I just, I'm so, I just, let me go home. Like, I'm not hungry. I'm good until like tomorrow or the next day. She goes, are you sure? We can just stop by Martin's and get some steaks. Doesn't that sound good? Does she want some steaks? I'll just grill them up when we get home. At this point, <laughs> the idea of steaks and all the stuff that's on her makes me sick. But I stop myself because I realize that the stench, if I throw up into the car, is going to be triple worse if I was to do that. I just am thinking to myself, man, of all the ways that my mom isn't put together, this is the worst. Like she can't make it to a proper bathroom to just relieve herself. Like why can't she do this? We would go on road trips when I was little and every single road trip every year, she would shit her pants in the car, in her pants, on our seats. I think we replaced our upholstery in our car at least 10 times. A fortune went into this. My mom has no shame of like asking my brother and I to help her out with her bowel functions, but this is the first time she's ever done this in public in front of other people and not in the privacy of her own seven family members. It amazes me how my mom continuously wants people to think that she's all put together and how she's able to do it even when she's a complete mess. I mean, it's almost as if everyone around her are the only people that are being upset by this and getting their panties in a bunch. She's 
perfectly fine with, you know, whether she's gotten to something that's super embarrassing or got a DUI. No matter what, she still has this image of like, yeah, I got my shit together, no big deal. And I think because of that, I definitely have like a newfound respect for her. A few years ago, I was on a campaign of self-destruction. I was drinking way too much and hanging out with all kinds of people who made me feel terrible about myself and staying up till all hours of the night. And I asked my therapist, like, why am I doing this to myself? I have lost all sense of direction in my life. What is happening? And she said, well, you need to mourn the death of your mother. And uh, she was right. The thing is, I was dealing with a lot of loss. I had just left my husband and left my apartment and left all sense of comfort I'd had for the past eight years. And I had never really dealt with the loss of my mother when I was 10 years old. So it shouldn't be a surprise that, you know, dealing with this new round of losses, I'm kind of a disaster. So my therapist says, you need to mourn your mother's death, finally. And maybe a good way to start that process is to visit her grave, um, which is something I'd never done before. I'd been at her burial 22 years previously, but I had not been since. Um, My dad would always offer to take me on Christmas and her birthday and like maybe a random Saturday here and there. And I would always refuse because my mom was sick from the time I was five until the time I was 10. And my dad and brother and I had spent so many years being sad about my mom. And I didn't want to be sad anymore. I wanted to ride bikes with my friends um, because being sad sucks. So I would always put him off and not go with him. But I decided it was time uh, when I'm home visiting my parents for Christmas, I'm going to go see the grave and take control of this mourning process. I didn't want to tell my dad because I didn't want him to come along. Um, we, neither of us are very versed in the language of emotion. <laughs> I think it's safe to say. And uh, we have a very friendly, loving, caring relationship at a very safe distance. My mom was the one I would share my feelings with, not my dad. So I'm putting my coat on. My dad says, where are you going? And I said, well, I'm going to go visit mom's grave. And he said, do you know where it is? And I said, yeah, it's um, Greenwood Cemetery off 71. I got it. No problem. And he said, no. Do you know where the grave is in the cemetery? And I said, Dad, it's my mom's grave. I think I can figure it out, okay? I have, like, an incredible sense of direction and, like, amazing intuition. And I remember from when I was 10 years old that it's a grave by the side of the road where the road bends. I got this, okay? So I get in the car, and I'm preparing myself for this, like, totally emotional cathartic moment and I'm 
picturing putting my face down on the cold marble like Madonna does in Truth or Dare and like listening to Oh Father swell in the speakers and I'm just getting ready to take control of everything. So I get to the cemetery. It's Christmas Eve, so the office is closed. So there's no map. There's no possibility of getting a map. The cemetery is much bigger than I remembered it being. And also, it's covered in snow. But it's cool. I'm going to use my amazing intuition and incredible sense of direction. I'm going to find this grave by the side of the road where the road bends. And it is a rather windy road around the cemetery, so this resembles a lot of graves. But finally, I find the one, I find the place, I get out of the car, I brush the snow off the grave, and it's not her. And neither is the grave next to it or the grave next to that. Okay, that's cool. I blew it this time. I'm just gonna hone my intuition. I'll find it this time. Get back in the car, get back out of the car, brush off a grave, it's not her. I repeat this process probably like three or four more times before I throw in the towel and drive home utterly defeated with this huge sense of emotional blue balls and absolutely no catharsis whatsoever. The next night is Christmas and I get blackout drunk on my brother's Manhattans. I only realize that I was blackout drunk when I wake up and see the Facebook post I didn't remember posting and like the cigarette I attempted to smoke and failed and you know a text I didn't remember sending. Remarkably I'm not hungover. So I go downstairs and my dad says, are you ready? And I said, ready for what? And he says, are you ready to go? And I said, yeah, because I didn't want to let on that I had been blackout drunk. And he said, oh, hold on a second. Um, I want to go get the broom. At which point I start piecing together a conversation I sort of vaguely remember having with him sitting on the couch last night, telling him about the grave and realize, oh, my God, in my blackout haze, I made the deal with my dad to go visit her grave. So we get in the car and I'm like freaking out and texting my friends, OMG, going to visit mom's grave, WTF, with dad, no less. And he's, you know, we're having the same conversation we would be having driving anywhere. He's telling me, oh, you know, I ran into Kara Hughes' dad and she just moved to Brooklyn too. And uh, there's a new Italian restaurant on Main Street. And um, we get to the cemetery and it being December 26th, the office is open. We can get the map and we drive right there. We get out of the car and my dad brushes the snow off one grave and it's my great grandfather's grave. And he brushes the snow off the grave next to that. And it's my grandfather and then brushes the snow off the grave next to that. And it's her and I'm, I'm there. It's there right in front of me where I watched her body being lowered into the ground 22 years before. And I'm standing there looking at it for the first time, seeing her name in the pink marble. And I feel nothing. Absolutely nothing. I think that I'm really lucky because I actually feel like pretty emotionally connected to my mother in a lot of ways. Like anytime I make one of her recipes or like hear a Billy Joel song, even though it's lame, 
it's one of her favorites, I totally feel connected. And at this moment, there is nothing there. So I turn and look at my dad, and he looks at me, and we don't say anything, but we're immediately drawn to each other, like magnets, and we embrace, and I start crying. And I say, I miss her every day. And he said, I do too. And it was the first time probably in 20 years that my dad and I had had a conversation about her. And it was certainly the most connected I've probably ever been with him in my life ever. And finally, we let go and he sweeps the snow off the rest of my family's graves. We get back in the car and uh, he says, oh look, that's where they're building the baseball stadium down the street. Well, that is all for our Mother's Day Stories compilation of classic risk stories. We just heard from Jennifer McClelland, and before that, from Donna Steele. Folks, Mother's Day is the day. Take a risk. <laughs>